This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Yeah, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, the Glick, how are you doing, Jason? <laughs> I'm doing just fine, the John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully everything is going good. Um, and uh, what are you going to be talking about tonight? Well, tonight is something that like it's it's a, a frequent well that I come back to for this podcast over like over the years because you know it's like I am like in the tank for the X Men. It's like you know I'll just come back and talk to them like when talk about them whenever like a major event happens. You know it's like from the, all the way back to like you know Messiah Complex. It's like to, to like the present day like with, with House of X and Powers of X and Ten of Swords. It's like and also it's like you know in, in recent memory it's like hey you know it's like I've also like want to bring in a buddy of mine who's also like very knowledgeable and very opinionated about X-Men stuff. It's like my buddy, Rob. Hey Rob, how you doing? Hey Jason, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I guess you just said how you were, you were doing, so I don't need to ask that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. Cause like now we are going into like the, the post um, 10 of swords era, because this is like, that, that was a big event that basically like, you know, like advance, like the story that Jonathan Hickman was telling it's like, you know, for the like the overall X-Men line by just and it um had some major consequences, basically like writing out Apocalypse um like for his for his own personal reasons, but also bringing in like millions of um other mutants, like the Araco. Um it's like I it's like um island and world mutants. It's like and um it's like this it's like and there's a lot of stuff that happened like you know, in between in in between like you know like the fact that the various X-Men series, like you know, between these two this event and um i uh it's like i only read some of them really it's like i read it's like i read x-men i read um marauders it's like i read um it's like um hellions it's like and i also picked, kept up with a um, wolverine and it's like an x-force um hickman's um work on on x-men was just continue to be like the same kind of like you know like short story stuff that he that that he just figured that like, you're all gonna like, keep buying X-Men. So I'm just gonna like, you know, just use it as a vehicle to tell like the short stories I was telling. And only it's like the first issue after Ten of Swords, um, basically it kind of picked up on that. It's like and it's like and that, that was kind of it's like and that, that was fun, but there was also like the only like others like let's see, other bits that involved like you know, sync um Darwin and um and um Wolverine or Laura Kinney, like you know, just um like you know, exploring the uh, like the children like the vault storyline, and I realize if I'm going to like go into all of these things, it's like in detail. It's going to um like like stretch this like podcast out to a couple hours. But I I will say that I liked I've liked um Hickman's um work like work on on X Men like like since since Sen of Swords. It's like and it's like and on one hand, it's like I think it's kind of disappointing that he's that he's leaving, but at the same time, it's like at least he seems to be leaving in a way that's going to be wrapping things up. So there's that. Marauders, on the other hand, it's like um, it's still it's still good fun, but the the intervening issues are basically like you know kind of like like establish like a formula more than any, anything else. Basically, just you know just showing you what um and what the team is going to do is like in like you know between missions and like there wasn't a um a a specific like you know storyline between between them. And but um Hellions, however, it's like did a good job of um like telling. Like telling like specific stories that, that you know, use the ideas of like, hey, you know, it's like what do the um, mutants do when they encounter like um, AIs, and also what is Sinister's plan like for this, and also how is he going to react to Arcade yanking out his teeth for for certain storylines? That was a lot of fun. It's like, and if I'm being completely honest, um, Hellions is probably my secret favorite 
um, X Men like title, but also um, I kept up with uh, like X Force and um, and Wolverine, both written by Benjamin Percy, and um, you know it's like both are fine. It's like um, like uh, X Force. It's like it's like he he seems to have like Percy's like a like an interest in um, like you know like how many times like um, Quentin Quire dies like for his storyline, but I was like it's it's kind of kind of storyline that I, that you know I, it it storylines that he was doing were just seemed to be kind of like all right i mean not nothing like really like special or interesting even though it's like he we do come back to the um it's like the um terra verde story where it's like the uh it's like where like where beast um secretly um like t- like um is mind controlling the uh the people running that country it's like um through their telephoronics and his Wolverine stuff, well, it's like, it's fine, but I can't say that, you know, it's like any of this stuff so far is going to be like, you know, like all-time best Wolverine, like, story. I mean, sure, it's interesting to see him bring back um, Maverick, but overall, it's like, I just couldn't couldn't really get, in, get into it to the point where I want to buy this thing as opposed to read it on Marvel Unlimited, which I will point out that a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is readily available on Marvel Unlimited right now as opposed to like being bought on um like bought by um like you know, conventional retailers. But um Rob, so uh do you have any thoughts on like you know all the stuff that's going on in between, you know, Ten of Swords and um the current Hellfire Gala event? Yeah, so um I mean I, I, I read all of that because you know I, I, I don't like to to jump to to events without having uh, everything that led up to it. Um, but I probably should say that I feel like people who want to read Hellfire Gala and don't really, um, you know, would rather skip that stuff. You probably can skip that stuff. I mean, there, there are things that questions you might have, like at the end of 10 of swords, um, uh, uh, Captain Britain, Betsy Braddock, uh, was, you know, turned into stained glass and shattered. And, and, you know, so what happened there? And well, she shows up in, in, uh, the hellfire gala. So if you want to know, uh, what happened to her and how she came back, then you got to read Excalibur, um, Mm -hmm. which, uh, Excalibur I've always had a soft spot for because it was my favorite comic, uh, when I was young. Um, you know, X-Men was, was a very close second, but Excalibur was, was my favorite. Um, Difficult to have the same level of love for it because none of the same characters are in this, although sometimes they show up uh, tangentially. And, uh, you know, the whole concept, you know, obviously uh, Betsy is Brian's uh, sister, so he's in it a bit and, and everything. But uh, and, and one of your most hated um, X-Men characters is also. Like oh, two, two of my, my <laughs> two most hated, hated X-Men characters, um, uh, Jubilee and Gambit or in, in the comic. And, uh, um, fortunately I, you know, I don't have to deal with Jubilee that much. She's not in it. She's not that prominent, uh, Gambit, not that prominent either. Uh, the main characters, at least in this period seem to be, well, you know, obviously Betsy, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, a little rogue. And, uh, I don't know, I guess there's just so many characters that, 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 uh, it's not that, uh, big of a deal. Uh, Richter plays a, a pretty big role. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, focus too much on this because I don't. I know you don't want to spend too much uh, time on it. But um, I. I enjoyed reading Excalibur just because I like Betsy, um, and I wanted to see. 
if, if she would come back and, and they were able to get her back. And, and, and I like that story. I don't know if you want me to talk about specifics or just to move on to other stuff. The fact that she said you like this series, in spite of the fact that both um, Gambit and Jubilee in it probably speaks a lot it's like, as it is. So, uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm, because it was focused on Betsy, that probably made it easier for me. Um, it, 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 you know, in terms of, you know, what's, what's written better, what's more entertaining in general, I'm, you're probably right about Hellions. Hellions is really, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's all about like the, 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 the bad, um, the bad seeds that people yeah. who, like, you, who you would, you would never see on a proper X-Men team. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it makes, and you're always wondering what is sinister planning? What is his, what are his goals and how are, are, are the others going to figure out what he's doing? You know, that's, um, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, I think the reason they keep they, that, that, um, like they keep Sinister on the quiet council. It's just more of a, hey, keep your enemies close type deal. It's like, they know the Sinister is going to, is always up to something bad. Well, but they, you know, they just need to like, keep him like, we just need to keep him on a tight leash just so we can like, just, you know, figure out what he's going, what he's doing. And like, you know, when he, when his plans are finally revealed, how ca- we can stop him. Like, you know, like quickly enough. Well, that and they want his uh, genetic database. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's important. If they need to bring back dead mutants, they need uh, his genetic database. Um, I did want to talk about some of the other comics. Um, you know, like Marauders uh, during that period deals with you know the Shaw killed Kate Pride. Uh, Kate is back. Um, we still don't know. I think, unless you can refresh my memory to this, I think we still don't know why Krakoa did not let Kate go through the gates. We know th- she's a mutant because she was able to be brought back. I think it basically has, it's down to her like phasing ability. You, it's you, something that just does not play well with how Krakoa's gates function. Okay. I, I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, that's also kind of like one of the reasons why it stood why she wasn't able to be resurrected right away. So it's just like, it's just the way she she interacts with matter. It's like, that's, I I think that's the main reason we're, we're meant to assume that she wasn't able to like to pass through the gates because, you know, Hey, she was able to come back. And, um, and yeah, it's like the, uh, the bit with, um, like dealing with the Shaw was like one of the strongest parts of like the last, the most recent volume. It's, it's like, yeah, it was fun. Like seeing, seeing her like, you know, like spew, um, liquor onto the fire and say, "Hey, guess who I am? I'm Lockheed." <laughs> she was a little, a little out of control there. Um, so, and I, and I should say that she, when I growing up, she was my favorite character, which is one of the reasons why Excalibur was, uh, was my favorite comic, is because you know I was 13 when I was reading it. She was, I think, you know, I was 13 to 14. I think she was 14 for most of it, but then she had two 15th birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> Over wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me um and uh so you know she was into computers and she didn't you know she was unsure of herself and stuff and so i saw a lot of myself in her um you know uh so i think that's why uh she was my favorite so i still i i, I love seeing her and any any comics that's gonna have her in it i'm gonna be somewhat interested in um mm-hmm. i do want i want to comment on some of the other ones x-force you said that uh, you know, deals with Quentin Quire. I've never been a big fan of Quentin Quire. I did read it. I don't really care about what's going on in it. So yeah, I just, I, I just don't like him. Um, yeah. Uh, the new mutants, uh, 
has a lot has a storyline involving uh, some some new new mutants uh, that the old new mutants are trying to kind of teach, um, and they're dealing with an old uh, an old old new mutants uh, enemy uh, Amal Farouk the Shadow King, um, which is it's interesting to see him again. Uh, and wonder how is he going to come come into play? It's always interesting to say, you know, hey, well, look, they brought back the Shadow King, or maybe he never died in the first place. But you know, how how does he fit into Krakoa? It does. What are his goals? Uh, we still don't know. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also, I do want to I do want to talk about a bit about Sword because okay. um, I really enjoyed that. Like and. Like, like I don't think I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna get to my review of that volume before we before we post this, but I will say that this I do think this is a fantastic first volume, um, and like I really like to see like you know where they're going from here. In fact, I hope this this lasts longer because well, like Rob, did, so you did you read the first issues for this? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and, so you know who's writing it, right? Uh, I did not pay attention to who was. Oh oh yes, I it's Al Ewing, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So. I, I did want to say that one thing that I really like about this whole this whole run, um, this whole the whole Hickman thing is that they're getting really creative, uh, and and it's amazing that people didn't really think about it much before um, beyond the fastball special. The whole idea of mutant circuits, yes, um, it they're doing some cool things with that. I mean, yeah, we have the five for their whole resurrection thing. But in this one, they had they have some different ideas, and I think I think they did another mutant cir- circuit in a different comic that I've totally forgotten, which because uh, it's kind of blending together now. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I think like, that concept is cool. Go ahead. Yeah, and also it's like if you if you're reading um, Ewing's um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which you should, even though it's over now, which is sad. Um, he's he did a lot of stuff with, in the, the cosmic sphere for Marvel, and he's apparently gonna be like importing like plot lines from that series over to this one as well, which I hope has a nice long run. It's like as part of like the X-Men as part, as part of its X-Men adjacent nature to it. So, cause like, yeah. I, cause like this was like, this was like, like the first five vo- issues were like a lot of fun. And then um, the issue that we're going to be talking about for Hellfire, Hellfire Gala is also like very pivotal as well. But I guess, you know, with all this talk about, you know, the Hellfire Gala, well, I guess you probably actually get to talk about the uh, event itself. And um, that kicks off with, like, um, Marauders on number 21, which, and I will point out that um, as far as, like, being able to read this, you can read all these issues now on Marvel Unlimited. And um, there's going to be a, uh, there will be two collections for this series. One is just going to be, like, the Hellfire Gala, which is going to be a soft cover, and it will collect, um, relevant issues of marauders um x-men um planet-sized x-men and also um sword because those are all like the most key issues to the uh, event itself though i would also argue that um x-factor um 10 deserves a spot there as well then there's the um hellfire gala red carpet edition which is like the uh edition that i will be chilling out for at some point which collects all of the issues that have a um hellfire gala branding to that and to that end, that's what we're talking about because um, Marauders, um, the issue of Marauders is the one that was published first. And um, as far as like reading orders go, you want to read these in the order they were published, um, like for 
the, the, the issue of the order of publication, starting with Marauders, which basically has because like this is basically like um, Emma Frost's um, like um, baby. It's like she wanted like to have Hostess Gala to show off the power of mutant um, and um, the uh, it's like in the first and um, and Marauders does a good job of like starting that off, just um, showing just you know, like showing the uh, the start of start of things. It's like like showing that how it's going to be like you know all sorts of like um world powers it's like you know people like representing like all these different nations and um just like showing them what you know, like what that this is originally gonna be like a fancy carpet type like a red carpet type deal but also like it's also gonna be following up on certain events in fact and also it's like you'll see um like certain events repeated over the course of the uh like like over the course of the series such as um quentin choir's encounter with um it's like with iron man it's like it's like and all and then there's also bits that's just as the uh oh such such as um like um Reed Richards um like like showing up and saying, Hey, you know, it's like I wanted I wanted to be here to you know to show support for Mutant Time, but I also wanted to tell you this, um, Professor X. Oh we, yeah. We don't know what he says, but we can assure it's kinda like, yeah, Xavier, suck a dick. So. Yeah. So and if you don't know what that's all about, that's because of uh, the confrontation uh, over uh, his son, Franklin, where the X-Men had tried to encourage Franklin to come uh, be on Krakoa while uh, Reed Richards was actively trying to suppress his powers. Mm-hmm. My impression, because I haven't been reading Fantastic Four, is that in the end, Franklin chose to either be depowered or to just let, cause his powers were kind of waning anyway, or just let that be um, because he, he was human when he arrived in uh, the hell hellfire gala. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's also a bit where um, like we see some of the, uh, some of the mutants gambling out on the, out on the veranda, out on the veranda and the thing shows up and he says, Hey, you throw some bones without me. It's like, nah, man, that ain't right. So it's like, it's there, there's some, there's some fun stuff there. It's like, um, basically, like this, this is like a great start to the event because Jerry Dugan basically shows a great observance of like the wider continuity, like of like of the Marvel universe. Basically, showing you how all these characters should interact. It's like, like there's this one point when, um, it's like when Emma is trying to like be diplomatic between in a conversation between Captain America and Doctor Doom, and then like this Shi'ar ambassador shows, oh, we've got this thing, the stuff you've um asked for. Like she's been trying to like dot, like play this like play the the X Men like you know like wor- like universe conquering down, and then this like Shi'ar person shows up saying, "Oh, we've got the stuff you asked for," and Doom just laughs his ass off. Oh no, what he says he he laughs because he says, "Congratulations on conquering Earth." Hmm. Oh, that's right. Yes, so, <laughs> that's why Doom laughs. Yeah, it's like and I think yeah, it's like, I think Dugan has a good idea. Like he he. As, as far as like you know, playing into like you know the, the overall how everyone is supposed to interact with each other, and that's that's really played out well here. And also, I like the bit with um with the Sifford cuckoos basically unlock something within one of the Verendi or the Hellfire brats um like mine, which it's going to be playing on obviously going to play into like future issues of of Marauders, but at the same time, like this is this is also an issue that's basically meant to set up tee off the whole event. And just like keep things going, and it does it really, really well because once you get to the end, once you get past the uh, the the credits page, actually, then you realize that oh wow, there's something bigger going on here. So I so yeah, I really like the the uh, like how things um 
how this event started, like with with this first issue. It's like, and because really, this is kept this event is all about just you know, like um, Jerry Dugan basically assuming like the uh, the leadership role for the uh, for writing X Men going forward. So. Yeah. So I, when you say past the credits page. Um, I'm wondering if I missed something. Are you talking about there's one page where it's basically the end of the gala, just skips the whole thing, and then there's a conversation between Emma and some, I don't remember which emissary it is, if it's like the it's ambassador. Like two, from... Yeah, it's like two pages after the credits page. Not, I'm ta not talking about the uh, the reprint that they do in this issue. I'm talking about just like after they do the credits page, then everyone's like, leaving the gala and they're, yeah. they're kind of like upset. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. That, and having that there made me want more to read the rest of the story. Cause it's like, of course, what happened? What, what was the big thing that caused them to say that? What were the fireworks about? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a bit, but then there's also, um, what follows is X force. And this is actually like part, the first part of a two part storyline because um, X-Force is basically here to um, like keep the peace during the gala. And um, you know, they're, they're doing that you know, as, best, as best they can. But um, there's two complications. One is the fact that, hey, you know, everyone's favorite um, ex, like, um, goofball X-Man, Deadpool, shows up. Because you know, he's like, oh, man, why didn't you invite me? It's like, aren't I a mutant as well? And um, he and Wolverine have um, a very physical um, dispute about that. But then there's also um, the fact that the uh, Terra Verde um, like rep representatives, well, they're they've been um, basically taken over by using their fluoronics by Beast as part of a uh, hey, I want to like you know make everyone in the world you know open to X Men, um, like you know the, all the X all the uh, Krakoan ideals and all. So it's like, but apparently like this, he uh, he didn't plan things out as well as he should have because the his um fluoronic coating um apparently screwed up and now the uh everyone he's encoded to that end is now um gone rogue so yeah, it's like that oh, sounds like a bad idea <laughs> and uh, that was the one thing about about the hellfire gala, gala well i was like um you know I, I get that sometimes beast does things that aren't entirely ethical or he breaks certain ethical rules that just seemed straight up dumb that, that he made that decision to, to do this at this time. I, I'm not going to, not going to argue with you. Cause like, I think, cause on one hand I like, I like beast more as like, you know, like the, uh, like as a, as a, as a smart uh, mansplainer of, of, um, of things rather than just, you know, a, a, someone who's like, oh, I'm going to do things for the good of good of everyone. It's like, so this was kind of like, this was kind of kind of disappointing, and um, it all, and I guess we also wanted to talk about Wolverine. The Wolverine issue is of this event as well, because basically this is part two of that of that event. Because like they're both written by Benjamin Percy, and they're both um, both concerned like you know what happens when um the, like these uh, Terra Verde um like people go rogue, and you know it's like things don't get quite out of hand. I mean, we get an info page telling us that, oh, it's like they demanded certain concessions to, to, uh, to like to, to prevent them from speaking out about this. But overall, it's just kind of like, like, you know, just telling, telling us that, oh, like beast. Yeah. You went, you went out of line, man. That's not cool. And that was it. 
and you know, it's like okay, that's fine. We've kind of already done this before. In fact, a lot of stuff like like the big um the whole like um all new X Men storyline was also about just you know Beast you know deciding like hey I'm gonna do things like that you may not decide or like are cool and all but I'm gonna do them anyway because I think they're right. So it's kind of like it's kind of when to like have have them redo that storyline you know so quickly and all. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like not bad, and in fact, I think like Deadpool's um, presence did. He he was kind of fun because it's all because he is here to just troll. It's like you know the characters, especially especially Wolverine, which was fun, and it was kind of fun to see Domino just you know set him on fire and just uh, you know like wager being a dick. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean he's he he feel he's X Men adjacent. He feels like because he was an X Force for so long, and he's you know, was it originally a new mutants villain and all that? Um, he, he feels like he's part of the X-Men, but he's technically not a mutant. He was effectively given his mutant regeneration powers, uh, you know, as an adult. Mm-hmm. So, so Krakoa does not regard him as a mutant. Yeah. But it's still fun to see him just get set on fire and just like throw off like a, an RP, RPG just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Yeah, but speaking of shits and giggles, well, it's like we've got the uh, Hellions issue of like of the event, which is basically all about you know like most of the Hellions characters, specifically, um, uh, it's like um Gray Gray Crow, um Hellion, um it's like uh Wild Child, oh, Wild Child, it's like Nanny, um, Dan- it's like Nanny, and um for what was the ah, damn why am I forgetting the, uh, the other Orphan Maker, name? Orphan Maker, yeah. It's like all all of them basically saying, "Oh no, you you're just like not um like be invited to this." While um sinister um Quanon, it's like and um havoc are all being are are invited because like they're just the respectable face of the team. It's like, but it's but it's so fun because like after like this last, that that premise lasts for like all of like like six pages before like Gray Crow says, "Fuck it, let's go to." It's like we're going we're going to the party, man. It's like and. It's like and nanny just, you know like troll sinister because he like as he's trying to like make nice with um captain was it captain america and um black panther and then she shows up and she says like oh he's also like a murderer of children it's like oh no you <laughs> yeah and but it's also interesting to see um hellion just like not act like a complete asshole for this like he actually like makes um orphan maker like think like he's drunk without actually getting him drunk and then actually gets his ass beat um, because like two of the girls that he mind controlled from earlier in the series are here and they want some payback. His name is Hellion. I thought his name was Empath. Oh, that's right. I think it's been um uh, both at the same like oh, over okay. the course, like over the course of the, his his tenure. It's like because he's just he's just like gigantic asshole, and he's like the one you always want to see die. Like, I mean, it's there's a reason he died in the first two arcs, like of the uh, like like of this run. So it's like, but also it's also interesting to see, um, like Gray Crow, like you know, get closer to to, to Quanon, and also the bit with Quanon, like saying, "Hey, hi Betsy," and pursuing, "Hi Quanon," like, and she's she's telling him, she's telling him that, oh, you know, it's like my my opinion of her has changed dramatically, like after the time I I, I dreamt like like you know, killing her, killing her in a dream for like the past fifty years, so yeah. which was which is something that happened in the uh, previous arc of Hellions, right. So. Oh, and also the bit with with Wild Child, um, like trying to um make nice with Aurora, only to find out that she's um 
like now with with Dakin. So that <laughs> that was interesting. So, but yeah, I I, I never I, I'm not familiar with Wild Child. Uh, he he's new to me in this this whole X Men run. Uh, so I don't know where he came from. It, if he knows Aurora, was he an Alpha Flight character originally? Maybe it's like I know he's also had a bit in um, it's like he was also in X Force for okay, like so he was a, a Rob McFarlane cre creation, probably wasn't he? Uh, you said Rob McFarlane, so, so it's like Rob, I, I <laughs> Rob, it's not McFarlane, Rob, you know, they, they were Reifeld. I'm sorry, how did I do McFarlane? <laughs> It's the 90s. They all blur together like that. Yes. Well, I mean, that's not fair to to Todd McFarlane at all. I'm sorry, Todd. I, I, I really, really, if you're not, not that he's listening. Um, yeah, but it's like, I think, like, yeah, but I think like, like Wild Child was, he was meant to be kind of like the, like one, another one of those like vicious, um, it's like, you know, like, like Wolverine and Sabretooth type type characters, but just yeah. like more more feral than than either of them, which is why we see him just why he's been like you know positioned as, as that in in Hellions, and also just you know like why we see him act the way he does like here. So, but he, it's also kind of it was nice to see like Grey Crow just like you know, restrain him once he just like like trying to like you know like trying to like trying to kill um Dakin after like trying to be the Alpha. He is not. A Rob Liefeld creation. He is from Alpha Flight. Ah, I just looked which it up. Why, why he knows Aurora then? Yes. Uh, which, why, apparently, like apparently, like like it was hinted here that it was implied here that like, when he knew Aurora, she was in a bad place. So ah. it's so it's interesting to see like you know see that that brought up right here. It's like and that's one of the reasons I like this. I like Hellions because like it's it both like acknowledges continuity, but also like finds interesting ways to, ways to play with it here. So, and which is why I'm sad that it's ending with issue 18. Yeah, yeah. But hey, it's like it's in, it's also nice, interesting to see like the other sinister show up at the end of this issue as well. Yeah, that was that was uh, surprising. That's the sinister that uh, that d died in um, died with uh, air quotes. You're saying? Yeah, quote died in a uh, it wasn't in a month, right? Yeah, it was. It was on. He he. Well, he basically died on Araco. But we thought that he died on Araco, but apparently so, that is not the case. So, Amenth is the dimension that the island of Araco was in. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I see. I guess that's it for Hellions. But um, Excalibur. The next step is Excalibur. And like you know, I get it. Like I, I said, I didn't, I didn't read the in between issues for Excalibur, but I will admit that this, this was kind of interesting in this in the way it advanced the political and personal storylines with, um, basically between um Shatterstar and and Richter, and also um my God, it's like it was sad to see what happened to Pete Wisdom, but hopefully he'll be joining us. He'll be rejoining us soon. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of of Pete Wisdom. He uh, he arrived uh, after I stopped reading Excalibur, and was made a love interest for uh, when she was still called Kitty, and uh, she was, as far as made sense, still 15 years old because <laughs> she had just recently had a birthday, and he was in his 20s. So I am, I think the guy is creepy. So, man, it's like, 
Well, it's like, on one hand, it's like, I'd say, I have to say, I want to research that. But at the same time, he's also, um, he's also a Warren Ellis creation. Yeah, it's because like, Warren <laughs> Ellis thought that she was in her 20s and she was not. Oops. But yeah, that's a, it's especially not a good look for him right now. But we're not going to go into that it's like, oh, at, the, at the moment because that's a whole other can of worms and I don't want to talk about it. I apparently haven't heard of that. So yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but so so, what did you think of this of this issue specifically then? Um, man, so I don't remember what happened with Pete Wisdom. Uh, he got this... sacrificed by Clan Akaba. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, um, I'm sorry. It's, see, I I'm having trouble because I remember all the events of the Hellfire Gala. I do Gala. Sorry, Shh, I do not remember. Don't don't admit that on the podcast. Don't admit what. No, no. It's like just, just oh. assume, just assume that you like that. This was all like you knew this before going in hand. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. What I'm trying to say is the events. I don't apply them to specific issues. Okay. Because I just read them all, you know, in the order, and I didn't really pay attention to what issue I was reading, it, okay. unless I took specific notes. And I do have speci- a specific note on X Men Twenty One for when we get to it, but. Okay, so this is this is when um, basically like, Pete Wisdom was sacrificed because the uh, prime minister for no, the ambassador from Britain basically said, huh, basically told um, Krakoa, "Hey, screw you, we're we're doing our own Brexit. Only it's like a exit of mutant Brexit, a mutant right. Brexit." Right. The thing that they're upset about is because um, they didn't like that Captain Britain was a mutant. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted Brian back, and so they they've had this you know they had this uneasy truce for a while, but as soon as Betsy disappeared they wanted to like take their power back and they they I don't know that it's worship but they get their power from Morgan Le Fay and uh it's all very British yeah that's that's true after all Excalibur is set in Britain it's like the the most British like it's the most British mutant team it's always so so yeah I mean I don't I don't really have any other specifics to say about about this because I don't I don't remember what other events were you, happened. Were you, happy to, were you happy to see um, Shatterstar and Richter getting back uh, getting back so, together? Because I because I was because I've read um because like they were established as a couple back in Peter David's X um, Factor run. So I didn't read that run. Um, I Shatterstar I was aware of. I thought he had a cool design. You know. Uh, so, you know, interest in the character. I liked what they did leading up to this. The deal, because we haven't mentioned this, um, Shatterstar was stuck because you didn't read X Factor. That's why you probably I read the don't first, know this. I read the first couple of issues, so I know that he was in the Mojo verse. Yeah. But so I don't know stu- like how he got out of the Mojo verse. Yeah. They, uh, they, they, did they break him out or did they convince him to kill himself and then resurrect him? I don't remember. <laughs> Judging by the amount of blood that was on him, like in this issue, I'm assuming oh, that he probably broke broke out himself. That's somebody else's blood. <laughs> so yeah, I'm assuming he broke out himself. Um, no, I don't. I, I I don't remember, and I'm sorry that I don't remember this part. But he was specifically brought out because there was a storyline in um I think it was X Factor uh that uh, uh Siren um you know oh, that's right. they're they're talking about that in X Factor. It's like he apparently like fought the Morrigan or something. Yes, yeah, she the Morrigan took her over again and uh he 
he he was brought because he was the only person that could fight that could kill the Morgan. Ah, so okay, makes sense. And also, like I guess you know, it's like since you mentioned you had a special note for X Men, well, that's the next issue on our list. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I did. I did want to say you asked this... me about the you asked me about them getting being back together as a couple because I never you know read it. it I mean, it's fine. I just I wasn't aware that they were ever a couple, so I learned that in this comic. Yeah, they it's like they were. It's like, and I think it, I think it was nice to see them back together. So, um, but as far as X Men goes, so I'm, does your special note have, have anything to do with Kevin Feige? Yes, that is the exact note, <laughs> which I thought was it's a little obvious, but it was still amusing. I mean, of course, I'm amused by it, but it's like it's like the 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 writer was basically saying. Um, Hey, uh, if you want to, you could tell Cyclops' story this way. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think that there's one of the things about um the Hellfire Gala that we haven't talked talked about yet is that there are apparently a lot of um cameos, like visual cameos, um, like throughout throughout the, like, the issues of this event. But I think that the, the the Feige one is like the most blatant because he's the only one that actually has any dialogue, really. Right. So now I may not have noticed most of these other cameos. I mean, sure, of characters. I saw certain characters, but are you talking about real life uh, cameos? I think I saw Conan O'Brien in one of these. At least. Oh, jeez. Oh, so it's funny. like, yeah. So like, there's like, pl- like I guess depending on how keyed in you are into current pop culture, then yeah, like there's plenty of people for you to reckon recognize here. But um, Feige is like the most prominent one, and because like. He, I guess like if you, cause he's like, you know, the one that's associated with the Marvel cinematic universe. Cause like you'll probably recognize his face and he's also like the only one to actually get any dialogue here, but it's a nice, it's a nice bit where Cyclops basically explains his, like his, like his history. It's like in like a very general sense. And it, and it does like have a night. Nice, it does square nicely with the introductory bit from Hickman's X-Men one, where he shows, um, you know, it's like, like, Professor X given Cyclops his like his glasses and showing him, you know, this is what this is where things are gonna go from go from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the issue itself is just kind of like a uh it's just kind of like a jam issue. It's got four different artists, um Nick Nick Dragota, Russell Datterman, um Lucas Wernick, and Sarah Pacelli, um, all doing specific stories. Like um Dragota's story basically is all about, you know, um Namor like saying hi to um Charles and um Magnet- Magneto. And I'm basically saying that, yeah, it's like, I know that you got some spaces on your, like, on your quiet council, but you know what? I'm not going to join that because, you know, I'm going to be like rule of the entire world. I don't want to just be the world of an entire, na- of just one nation, which is, you know, very Namor, like, uh, like of him. So, right. Yeah. He, he rules 70% of the world already. So why would he? Yeah. And then you've got the bit where, where we find out like the, uh, like who's going to be the part, the members of the, of the new X-Men team. Which, which you know, hey, like this is fine. Like, and in fact, I was also, I was, I was surprised to remember that. Oh wait, when they say Wolverine, it's going to be Laura Kinney, not Wol- not Logan. Which you know, this is cool. This is cool because you know, it's like um, Logan is busy enough on, you know, like on X Force in his in his solo title. So it'd be cool to see like how um, Laura interacts with um, Scott, Scott and Jean, as well as um, like Sync, Sunfire, Polaris, and. Um, who else am I missing? I know I'm a rogue as well. So, yeah, you know, uh, so if you, I don't remember which comic it was in, but there was a comic leading up to this, um, 
that uh, uh, tells a little uh, backstory about Sink and and Laura have. Oh, a... that's um, that was Hickman's X Men. Okay, so so yeah, that I liked that storyline. Um, uh, you know, it was an interesting. I don't know if you want to talk about it now or you want to. It, just it was. It. I think that um, it was cool that Hickman was able to like tell a story that spanned like s- several hundred years. Yeah. And I'm um, like, it was like a romantic connection between the two, but also just complicating it because apparently Sink remembers everything that that he that happened to him during the time he's time in the vault. But, but because Laura died getting him out, she doesn't remember anything. Yeah. So now it's like he's he's left. You know, like I just just kind of like you know dealing with like, oh, how do I how do I deal with that? I mean, like I know that we're good for each other, but how would I con- convince her about you know like how? everything we went through in the meantime. So that's, that's, that's a nice, nice, good soap opera plot that I want to see developed further in X-Men, which is going to be written by um, Dugan going forward. Cause this is basically Hickman's like swan song on X-Men. Okay. Yeah. But just like, like that, that like Cyclops is big, big, big speech at the end. It's basically like Hickman's like saying, I am, I'm out, I'm out of here for this, like, you know, for this on, ongoing series bit and if you want to see any more you're going to go read inferno but we'll get back to that in a bit yeah. because the next bit is um dugan's big swing towards showing you where x-men is going next and that is planet-sized x-men oh man uh i have some opinions about this if you want to you can talk about it if you want or you can have me talk about it and jump into it whatever okay. you want to do okay it's like i i got some opinions as well it's like and they also bleed into sword um as in, in additionally because i yep. think I, I mean on one hand i think this is a that um basically um plasma's x-men is all about the x-men it's all about the fireworks the fireworks of the hellfire gala yeah and they are like the the terraforming of mars and it's basically the x-men using their specific mutant gifts in concert with um also certain specific mutants of Araco to basically terraform mars in the space of a couple couple hours and on one hand you think that wow man like this is like a it's a big flex as far as the x-men's um power is concerned in terms of showing you what their mutants are capable of doing and it's a i think it's a good extension of like you know what like showing you what the x-men are capable of in this you know current world and also like escalating the stakes because you know this is gonna freak a whole lot of humans out because once they see what the x-men can do here they're kind of like Oh man, it's like we got to do some. What are we going to do about the mutants, man? It's like they're terraforming worlds now, but it's also a really um clever solution to to the idea of like showing mutants as like you know one of the central power sources in like in the system. Basically, it's basically a way to like advance you know the uh, to escalate the the mutants' power, like they're they're like you know show show you what they're capable of. Um. On a, on a cosmic scale, but also sidestepping like you know, the fact that oh we're not actually um, you know dealing with uh, like the fact that Earth is like Earth is a divided um, world, so we're just going to sidestep the fact that you know the X Men can't take over the world because it would break um, the reality of the Marvel universe. But by taking over Mars and terraforming it, they basically like you know find a way to advance you know the current X Men story. In a way that I think is is kind of clever, but is also screaming to be destroyed at a certain point. But also, there's some bits here that that will be that 
I think that um, Sword picks up on very well. But um, but Rob, so uh, you said you had opinions. So, oh yeah, I have many opinions. Yeah. Well, but first, I have a question. Uh, mm -hmm. While I was reading it, I was kind of in the back of my head. I was like, "Hey, what about all the stuff they'd already done to Mars and Hickman's Avengers?" Oh, you mean like the gardens there? It's like, yeah. I think that I think we're meant. To, I think we're meant to assume that. Oh, this um, is a different that, universe. No, it's like I think. No, it's like just remember, it's like the uh, the initial, like like the initial storyline for his Avengers was on was in this universe on Mars. Well, wait a minute though. Um. Oh yeah, because because they still. I think I think we're meant to assume that like that um that that they um departed on Mars to um like to to other parts in the universe. Okay. Well, what so, I was going to say was is that you know uh it, you know is this the same universe with the whole Moira resetting stuff? But since the the rest of the Marvel universe was not affected you know effectively by by uh, Moira's uh. Uh, resets. Um, we should assume that everything else did happen. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so there was that. That was my first question. But the second thing is, oh, first of all, you know, really cool concept mm -hmm. uh, to just go all out and be like, hey, we can take all these different mutants and we can, you know, yeah. Oh, especially Jamie Jamie Braddock as well. Yeah, Jamie Braddock, man. I mean, you talk about because he's he's a reality warper. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy to have reality warpers in comics and not really do this kind of stuff with them. But yeah, you know, uh, uh, Magneto gives uh, the planet a, a larger molten core. Um, the, you know, storm creates an atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. Um, really, really impressive. But, uh, and then, and then they move Araco, the, the island, to the planet. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, remember there are mil millions of mutants on Araco, right? But yep. I kind of there's something about this where it feels kind of I don't know what the word is. I want to say cheap or, or or that's not a great word for this, but it's the best I can come up with because we are told there are millions of mutants on Araco, and sometimes we see glimpses of mutants that we don't know anything about, but we don't really get to know any of them. And then they just shift them off Earth. And then there's this brief story early on. I don't remember if this was, you know, when this was, but there's this brief thing in one comic between uh, uh, Ten of Swords and uh, Hellfire Gala. I think where, it was like the, the X-Men issue that followed up on things. Maybe, yeah, that the, that the islands are there and like they're going to connect again. Oh, it was definitely they, the X-Men issue. Yeah, then they drift off and it's like, oh, well, you know, yes, they were together, you know, long ago. And there's like this, you know, like relationship analogy, but they've been apart for so long that they've turned into different people and they don't really know each other anymore, blah, blah, blah. And so it kind of feels like, you know, they have this end, the end of Ten of Swords is we'll take Araco and now we'll be rejoined as one. And, and then that just doesn't happen. <laughs> but what they do, then they shift Araco to, to, to Mars and now... Well, Araco's not on Earth anymore, so they don't have to deal with Araco being on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this is this is just one of those like ideas that Hickman had that you know a lot of people like thought like, oh man, this is so cool, we're we're gonna do with it. Like, and they realized like, oh man, this is like too big for us to deal with, so we need to uh, find some way to politely shuttle it off, like, right? Into its own thing. But at the same time, having them 
having a mutant planet in the solar system is so dramatic. But I couldn't help but think while it was happening, wouldn't it have been more dramatic if they had moved Krakoa there and made it planet Krakoa? You're right. It's like, I, I, I see what you're saying right there, but I think that the idea is that it, it's like it's it all it's comes down to like like narrative like story log or logic within the Marvel universe in the sense that they can't like um, move Krakoa off planet because the X Men you know have to stay here yes because they're part of the Marvel universe but I they know. can shift so yeah it's like you so you see what's going on here it's yeah like, I, mean, it's, I mean I I know but it, but I just wanted to express that that it made me think so like when I read a comic like Invincible. You know, and they can do crazy stuff because he's the only guy that writes it. And nobody else has to worry about anything. They give, you know, I have these moments of, of you know, kind of regret that it's too bad. I mean, I love these characters and I don't want these characters to go away, of course. But um, I have these moments of regret where I'm like, boy, what a storyline it would have been if they had gone all out. Especially, especially if Hickman's, and, and this is another thing, what if that was Hickman's original plan? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I can see, I can see that happening, but at the same time, it's like, I get the feeling that, you know, like, doing something like that would have only, like, I, like I said, I, the, uh, the third arc of X, of Hickman's X-Men was supposed to be, like, Fall of X. So, yeah. like, you can only imagine, like, after, that, if that, if that had happened, if, if Krakoa had gone to Mars, it would only be setting itself up to be destroyed and um all the mutants had gone back to earth as well because right now it's like basically we're being set up for like millions of mutants we don't have like a big a big um handle on maybe killed at some point just set up a future threat because that's this kind of feels like i would love to see them like dive into this and i, I think that um al ewing is going to do this in um sword but um as of right now, it does kind of feel like you know setting up the uh, like like um, Mars as you know planet Araco. It's like is kind of like um, like almost begging for it to be destroyed at some point, just to sell a um, big crossover crossover size threat at some point. Yeah. Line. Okay, and and so here's here's another thing that I want to I want to think about or I want to talk about related to this. And this is a thing that 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 Hickman has done before. I, I really like you know a lot of what Hickman does, but something that he does in his storylines is he tends to and and this isn't his fault, maybe it's my fault or whatever, but he creates these new characters, right? Mm-hmm. And they ha- there's something about them that just doesn't feel to me like it be- like they belong in the Marvel universe. Hmm. Um, the, you know, I felt that way with the characters and the Avengers, you know, the, 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 the dude with the Omega on his chest and the black mm-hmm. swan and the, and the, you know, the other, there were, there were a, a group like that. And, um, and I feel that way about, you know, it's, it's part of, it's the naming and part of it's the, uh, um, I don't know, something about the, you know, the general tone of, of the characters, um, I feel that way about a Menth and Araco and all these, those, you know, those characters that, that, uh, that were there on that. And so they're on Mars and it's supposed to be a big deal. And I get that it's a big deal, but I don't care about the characters. I don't even know very many of them. Yeah. It's like, I know, I know what you mean. It's like, it just like feels like there's like millions of mutants. Like, but yeah. they're all faceless, but the, but at yeah. the same time, they're all kind of like meant to be, um, Hey, you know, it's like, if you need a mutant for a specific thing, 
that hey, just bring one from Morocco. I mean, so Al Ewing did this in his first arc of Sword as well. So like, that's I, I imagine like what he does right there is probably how they're going to be de- like deployed like in future storylines. You know, okay. be- before they're killed to sell to sell the um, inevitable crossover size threat. Right. So um, the last, oh, the other thing is uh, once they do that, you know, they declare it Planet Garaco. They also declare it, or does this happen in Sword? Or am I, I'm not jumping ahead by saying uh, what, they, but, what they say about Planet Araco. Um, Well, what are you saying about it? Because the, the, think... they declare that it's the capital of the solar system. Oh yeah. It's like, that's, I think that, I think that's kind of, cle- I think that's another clever way of sidestepping the fact that, you know, it's like, oh, well, we can't actually have the X-Men take over Earth, but we can't have them declare, like, you know, Araco as, planet Araco as the, as like the center of the solar system, because, oh, Earth is so divided, but, yes. um, but Mars, it's like, you know, it's like a mutant planet united, so it can speak for the solar system. So I think, I'm honestly cool with that. Because I think it, it, it goes into the whole like you know big flex by the by the X Men and I'm and I, I'm fine with like like seeing like you know how are we going to like see them you know um see the mutants like you know like play out their their role as like you know lord lords of the solar solar system because I imagine like this is not going to affect like anyone on Earth in any significant manner right and 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 I want to say that I you know it's it's a bold thing to do and it's cool to see that kind of stuff happen in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for that reason, I support the concept of it, but I have to ask, you know, they know that's going to piss everybody off. I mean, like literally everybody on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> on and, yeah. We, and we got, we got to see that, you know, like when everyone was leaving, um, it's like at the end of like the Marauders issue. So like, I, right. so, so yeah, I think that's, it's definitely something that's, that's going to like have, have consequences down the line. Even like I said, even if it just it comes down to like them, like, blowing it all up as far as a crossover size threat. Yeah. Is this the comic that has, or is it sword or an, or a different one? Is it just this and then sword and it's done? Or is there other comics that I've, I've forgotten the. Oh, specific. there there's also like new after this was new mutants, X Corp um, way of X, but I don't know how, if you wanted like to burn through these, because like some of most of these were just kind of like, you know, like using this as, as kind of like, you know, like, uh, like, like fodder for story. Like, like, I mean, like on one hand, like Way of X, um, the Simon Spurrier written series, like about like where it's Nightcrawler for focused one with all with Legion, and while I like the tie-in issue, um, the only tie-ins to this were the first couple issues, where it just shows you why Nightcrawler was getting so drunk. Yeah, like, and um, that was and, like, and that was fun, and I I gotta admit, it's like I'm on board with this, like I'm always on board with I'm Simon Simon Spurrier stuff, but he's also like very much telling a story that is not reliant on, on this event. Okay. So, well, the reason I was asking that is because there's, there's a conversation between Captain America and Dr. Doom. That's some um, sword. Okay. So I'll wait for sword when, when you're ready. To okay. talk about that. But um, I guess like, since, since I was already talking about way of X, it's like, I, I mean, this, that series as I understand is like all about like Nightcrawler, like trying to solve this, the spiritual um issues, like facing the, uh, like, like the, everyone on Krakoa and also running into the fact that, Oh, Hey, Legion's back like in this reality. And it turns out that um, onslaught like from the nineties is also back as a psychic parasite feeding off of everyone here. So, yeah. And that comes about because Kurt feels 
that there's something wrong, that there are people that are behaving in odd ways. They're being too reckless. They're being too bold and all this kind of stuff. And uh, um, he feels there's something missing or some, some corruptive force at play. And that's, they, they, you know, yeah, they, they do research and, and Legion discovers that Onslaught is the corruptive force, which I'm not a fan of Onslaught. So I, like I think it's like too that unless you're a fan of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, then no, no one's a fan of Onslaught. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, why, why bring him back? I mean, because the, th- the whole concept of him is, is he's supposed to be Xavier and Magneto combined, and since they're present and happy and whatever, I don't see the point of, of suggesting that Onslaught is a sec- separate being that is somehow still around. I think it's the idea that like, Onslaught is like the worst parts of them combined. And um, it's like in given form. So um, so on one hand, it's like I this is a series that you know I'm waiting to read in trade paperback because it's like this is like basically a five issue series plus a one shot. And it's also meant to set up um, a, another series down the lo- down the line. So, but um, Spurrier has always been a guy who was just basically like looked at superheroes and goes like, yeah, you know what, I want to do something different. I mean, this is a guy who wrote a 24 issue run on X Men Legacy that ended with um legion writing himself out of reality because he figured hey you know what you guys don't don't know what to do with me fine i'm leaving <laughs> so that's good that, yeah so that's that's kind of like what i mean like, i like that kind of thing but um and also like wave x does seem like a way to like give spurrier a way to interact with the x-men like titles without in a way that you know like like um like appeal to his sensibilities but well we'll see like I said, I'll I've got I'll I'll be probably doing a review like once the series is clicked and trade paperback, but um then there's also um as far as like the uh, other like tie-ins there's New Mutants and X Corp um New Mutants I gotta admit it's like as I haven't read the uh, series since it post um Ten of Swords but this series basically gave me the idea that I probably do need to start reading it because you know what I I care about Gabby I care about um laura's um like little little kid sister so i want to know what's going on here because this issue is like there's just some bad things are happening here because yeah apparently, apparently she's wise to what the uh shadow king is planning and um he's not cool with that yep yeah so she's you know her i was talking about how the new mutants are are uh uh training some new new mutants or the old new mutants are training new new mutants Mm-hmm. Um, those new mutants, uh, include one of those is, is Gabby and the rest of them are the ones that are kind of, you know, being manipulated by shadow King and she doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Okay. So, I mean, it's like, so, so did you like the issues that you read? Oh, I mean, they were pretty good. I, I, I wasn't super invested, you know, I don't really know why I like all the characters and stuff. I just, you know, I, I don't you know, um, uh, maybe the storylines weren't that exciting. I, the Shadow King is an interest. I guess he's kind of interesting, but I didn't. Well, it's interesting that they, they're giving him. They're, they're still. He's he's got the amnesty to work under. So it's yeah. just kind of wonder, interesting to see, like, you know, well, is he going to be like reverting to type, or is he actually going to be like, you know, working, actually taking a chance to work within, you know, like the, this new social order. So right. the the. The brief glimpse I got of him in this issue suggested that, well, he's maybe not quite, he's not quite reverting to type, but he's also not, you know, like, willing to, like, work with everyone here. Like, he still wanted to advance his own agenda. 
So there is one interesting thing that is covered in New Mutants. Mm-hmm. And that is that um, the idea of so so there's a thing in in this in in this X Men world now called the Crucible, where yes. if you were a mutant that was depowered, um, you go into the Crucible. Originally, you'd fight Apocalypse, but now you get to choose your your opponent, and oh. which is kind of weird because you know, well, what if you kill <laughs> the other person? That would be problematic. But anyway. <laughs> it's full of is, drama. So yeah, the idea is then you your your chosen person kills you, and then you get to come back um, as uh, with with your powers again. Well, in in this, there's a group of mutants um, that one mutant uh, who was a major storyline early on in, in in this new mutants run um, is a reality warper, and she warped she, she warped her own body because she didn't know how to control her powers. And she's, you know, really weird looking, right? I mean, she's, you know, literally warped. And she yeah. wants to be human or to look human again. And if she were to be killed and brought back, she would look mm. normal. She now knows how to control her powers. So she wouldn't look that way. And so she asks to be in the crucible. And I don't remember which X-Man it is that says no. I think it's Storm. Says, oh, or maybe it's either Storm or Jean Grey, or it's some important, you know, female uh, X Men member, um, and says, no, you know, you're beautiful as you are, you're mutants, and that's what makes you, you know, good and blah blah blah. And she's not having it. And then there, she's got a couple friends that are the type of mutants that have radically different, you know, body types, where like, you know, one's made out of water and one's like all rocky and stuff. And they were hoping. Um, they could do it. And 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 I want to note, as they're doing this over in X-Force, it has been noted that as uh, Quentin Quire gets resurrected, he makes requests to, to adjust him genetically. So like he no longer needs glasses. He has 20-20 vision because he asked for it. <laughs> um, he asked for his hair color to be different multiple times. Um, so clearly they're able to do that and they're refusing it to these kids basically and that's an interesting storyline that i don't know it's just interesting to cover that yeah it's like that sounds that sounds interesting i'm worried that the way you're describing right there may sound like like okay like maybe the case of the right hand not talking to the left hand here so oh no i think i think that's intentional oh i think it's intentional i think Hmm. it is about um uh, it, it, it's it's a, a thing about the established X Men, you know, and well, like X Force. X Force gets to break the rules. Uh, they can murder. They can murder humans. They're also getting you know benefits on resurrection. And here are these kids that you know he's getting these superficial you know like plastic surgery equivalent things. And and these kids you know are have serious you know body issues. It's it's an it's a you know, a self-image uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they want to be, they want to feel right. And, uh, and they're refusing them. And so it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see if they actually do a, do a storyline that, that addresses this stuff right there. Yeah. So, but I guess, and then there's also um, X Corp, which is meant to be like the corporate X-Men title, but also appears to have suffered the same fate as, um, as Fallen Angels. Cause it's, five issues and it's done so yeah and i've forgotten what happened in x corp 
uh, basically, um, like Monet and um, and oh, Angel, yeah. um, like basically match with with Fenris as they try to um, break break into um, their like their island on it's like during the during the gala. It's like, and you know, there's there's some interesting stuff here, but at the same time, I I, I don't know if we how if we want to get into it because like this is basically all all the stuff being established here is basically shown to be like a non a non-starter. It's like no. I mean. It's fun to see, um, like, uh, mastermind basically, like, you know, show you, hey, you know, I can provide, you know, some interesting cover. It's like as the re- as like someone who can like control your, like, control control your perceptions. It's like, and that that was cool. But otherwise, it's like, you know, the idea of like, you know, what is a like a mutant corporation just kind of seems to be like, you know, posturing at this at this point. So. Right. Yeah. They hired him for PR. He's he's mm-hmm. PR. <laughs> yeah, which you know makes some sense. Hey, if you want you want someone like like warp your perceptions of reality for PR. Like, hey, you know, it's mastermind and no one else. But then again, we also saw him do Tom in a much more interesting fashion in Hellions as well. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. But and then also like the next last um important issue is um sword because basically that's basically like um Abigail Brand basically like telling everyone in the cosmic Marvel sphere like hey this is why um X Men the X Men um terraforming uh, Mars is a good thing. And hey, guess what? We also got just a special medal for you guys to amuse yourself with as well. Yeah, and this in doing this, this is even further beyond just announcing that uh, that that planet Araco is uh, capital of the solar system. They are establishing a new currency, and the in soul. doing so, it's yeah, it's going to give them control of the galaxy. I mean, you know, a, a greater stake in the galaxy, I should say, instead of control. Because the the this metal has such amazing properties that everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, and it's it's and like I said, it's cool to see um, Ewing bring in like the uh, like some of the plot lines from his uh, Guardians of the Galaxy run into the, like into this series. Because if you've read that series, and you should, it's like it's like it's a lot of fun to see like you know like like see how the play how it plays out here, like like the Xenox, um, like because like. Like seeing the Xenox talking about how, hey, you know, like we're we're behind this, but also because we know that that the uh, that that um Brand and um her and her team basically like like put this person into power as well, and also to see um like uh, like a Star Lord like show up as well as one of the representatives of Spartax, especially once you we know what's been going on with him. Oh, and also with Nova when he. When they're busy, when he's basically questioning, like, why are you speaking for Earth? It's like when, like, you know, I've, I, I'm one of the representatives of the Nova Corps. It's like, oh, what were you doing while, um, the, it's like while the King, while um, Noel was taking everyone over in the King in Black event, I was saving seven billion other people. So please carry on. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, so it's fun to see, like, you know, like, like him, him work, work his storylines in here, and just to, like to give, like, you know. Like the mutants, like you know, more prominence in, in galactic events, like which you know plays like plays very well. It's like in like off of what we've been talking about. Like there's a reason this issue is being um collected in the critical um spine of issues, like for the soft cover edition. And also with um, it's also fun to see Doom basically like you know challenge. Hey, you know what? You've brought, brought in all these like new millions of mutants like to, like to um to inhabit Mars, like you know how we know this is going to be like, you know, really divisive, how we know like everyone's going to speak for themselves and then for storm to show up at the end. It's like, I speak for them. Like that's badass. So, yeah. So what doom basically says is, is that, you know, he, he wants to talk to the King 
of Arako. And Storm basically says, I am the regent of mm -hmm. planet Arako. Now, I want to say, so I have two things to say about that. Um, if you're going to pick any X-Men character to be, you know, regent of a planet, Storm is, is my choice. Any, yeah. any person who has been in the X-Men, I'm, I'm going to choose Storm. If it had been planet Krakoa, it would be perfect. But why is Storm speaking for Arako? <laughs> it should have been Apocalypse. Probably because like they've got long-term plans for Apocalypse. I mean, apparently Apocalypse is still on in a month. Yes, he is. So yeah, that's so that's that's the bit that's the bit that's the plot re reason there. So yeah, and I I I this storm being the regent. Uh, how, how did they choose her? Though none of the people on Arako know her. Why, how I mean, Storm is the perfect person for Earth mutants. Well, but for Arako, that just doesn't make any sense. I think she's because I think because of what she says because she is the perfect person to represent them because she's she's a someone that everyone that all the Earth mutants are we will be willing to trust and B, she's got a, a power set that um that all the Rocco will be able to respect as well. I mean like yeah we know that these guys all I mean the broad sense of a Rocco we know is that they're they're like war they're a warrior mutant race. And so when you've got someone who can like you know control the weather like in the way that she does, it's like I'm pretty sure that you know if she really wanted to, it's like she could like like she could like show everyone on the planet who's boss and i'm so, pretty sure oh i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to interrupt you i, I thought i thought the boss was the end of the sentence but i'm gonna i'm gonna say so uh i get what you're saying and and that i would accept that if they had said it in the comic <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm 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 i i am feeling enough um goodwill to read between the lines here and impose my reading of this so well, i think I think your reading is great, and I think they should have put it in the comic because it is it is the it is the perfect reason, and I I accept. That I'm pretty reason. sure, like once we, once we uh, see once we actually get some storylines involving like you know Storm like being the regent of Arako, we'll get like we'll see that like you know put into text. But, yeah. Um, right to wrap this up because we're cut, coming close to the end here. Um, the final the final issue like for this event um X Factor. Well, it's kind of complex because it's both the final issue of the series and also like setting up a crucial storyline to follow out of it. So I will say that, you know, like the uh, storylines here do make me wish that, you know, I should have missed more time in reading the issues of X factor, you know, prior. I mean, I read some of these uh, like up, like I'm um, prior, prior to, so I didn't read the ones from um, 10 of swords between, between this point, but I clearly should have, because like they're they they set up an inter interesting like interesting storylines, particularly with um Prodigy um dying and then being brought back and then coming back to solve his own murder, so that like that was cool. But the real uh, meat of the story here is the fact that it sets up the trial of Magneto, because you know, oh, yeah yeah it's like I wasn't ex you weren't expecting um like the star of one of Marvel's um big TV series of 2021 to be murdered here, but yep. That's exactly what they did to the Scarlet Witch. I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm upset 
that uh, about the the whole back and forth on I, I really want the Scarlet Witch and and uh, and Quicksilver to be Magneto's kids again. I I I really liked that in the it comic. Can happen. It happened. I I hope it does, but I mean this sure, this sure doesn't. I mean, at first I was like, oh well, this is kind of good because it's the way it starts. In sword, yeah, yeah. There's this there's the scene with them together in sword that's that's nice. That being said, I want I want them to literally be his kids. I think that's more important than him being like a loving father. I want him to, them to literally be his kids because I'm invested in that in that the genetic connection that they have for some reason. Yeah, uh, no, I I get what you, I get what you're saying. It's like like they were they were his kids for like so long. Yeah, but, um, and like, like for them to be retconned out of that just for like purely studio politic reasons. Yeah, I mean, and studio yeah, politic reasons that are gone. Yeah, so like it, it, this could, for all we know, at the end of like the trial of Magneto, it could be setting. This could be setting up, um, you know, the reestablishment of Quicksilver and and Scarlet Witch as his kids. But I, I also so. have this nagging feeling that um the that uh, the Charlie Magneto may be um, setting up Magneto as more of a villainous role because on one hand, it's like anyone who has any familiarity with these kind of stories is going to be able to say that, um, oh, but Magneto didn't kill her. But at the same time, I can't imagine that he's going to make like life easy for anyone by just saying, by just saying that. Like, I just imagine like, you just being like completely standoffish about this and just be saying like, what, you think I did it? <laughs> no, no, fuck you, man. So that's... The way- no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like it's just like I just get the feeling that like Magneto is just like going to be like very, probably very standoffish throughout this whole event, and like this could be like said, like I said, this could be the way that we it's it them as being a uh, major ex villain again, but 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 we'll see about that. Yeah, the way he um, talks about her, you know, only pretty much calls her the pretender and all that kind of stuff prior to this just his general attitude towards her and the way he feels about the mutant race. If she really isn't a mutant and she really did um, what she did, then it fits his character to murder her. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that, that it does uh, his long-term character because what she did it was genocide. I mean, it's the, not in t- I mean, it's not really genocide. You just depowered him, but two mutants in the comics, that is effectively genocide. And the way Magneto feels about genocide because of his oh, past yeah. experiences, you know, it, she's like Hitler. And I hate using that analogy because that seems, but, but to him personally, it's like that. Everything you said makes perfect sense. I just can't agree with it because it's like it's the 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 setup is that he killed her, and yeah. we all know that has to be wrong. Yeah, of yeah. course, because it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I will say it's a definitely like an interesting note to end this the event on. But well, it's an expected note to end this, the event on because hey, it sets up the next storyline. It's like and it's like and I gotta admit, it's like I like like I said it wasn't like not all the issues here were home runs, but I do think it did a the the event itself did a great job of um like setting up the X-Men status quo and showing us a way forward for future stories with them. It's like I feel I feel very good about where um Jerry Dugan is gonna take like take the series here, particularly with his ish with his his issues as well. 
Um, something that we should mention because um, I don't remember if it happened during this this or if it was in the lead up, uh, but it's important for the future. Um, is that all along um, there have been two people or three people? There have been three different characters asking for loved ones to be re- <laughs> resurrected, and they have been put off at every every turn. Only um, one of these, like, probably sounds like it's going to be like pro- plot relevant specifically. Well, one isn't that plot relevant, probably, which is it's it's Ron, you know, the new mutant, uh, Wolfsbane's son. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other two, um, well, both are very plot relevant. Um, Mystique and Destiny. Mystique wants Destiny brought back. Yes, this is true. It's like, and I'm going to assume the other one you're talking about is Havoc and um, yes. Goblin Queen. Yes. Okay. I think that um, that's going to be probably, that's going to be addressed um, in the final issues of Hellions. But okay. I do know that um, Mystique and um, Destiny is going to be like a critical thing for um, Inferno, which um, at one hand, I just want to say that, you know, it's like, I well, I think that, you know, like Xavier Magneto's like manipulation of her has been, is awful. It's like, had they, you know, it's kind, it's really very dumb on their part because they should have known that Mystique just can't be trusted, nope. and they should have, they should have just thrown her in the pit with Sabretooth at the start of things. But they thought they could use her, and now they're going to pay the price. Big yeah, time. yeah. I although I do want to say, why wouldn't they want to try to get the precog on their side? So I, I remember. Uh, uh, is it okay if I? Are we going over time? I'm sorry. We're we're, we're coming we're coming up on the very end. So okay, I just want to say this little thing, which is, um, you know, way back in you know House of X and Powers of Ten, um, uh, it was established that in Moira's like third life, Destiny told her that she was going to try to kill Moira in all of her lives, um. But if but that was because Moira had developed a mutant cure, mm-hmm. and Moira's not interested in curing mutants anymore. So why would Destiny want to kill her now? That's a good point. So maybe it's like this is something that Hickman will pick up on, like in Inferno, or it's like as we were talking about, like you know, prior prior to the show, it's like, um, like uh. This is like Inferno is Hickman's swan song for the X Men because, as because apparently like all the X Men, all the X writers basically said that they really liked working within his current storyline in terms of like you know everyone living on Krakoa and the mutants like you know like doing all these big power flexes, so they and um Hickman read the room and basically said okay it's like you know it's probably I I I'm we're not gonna so we're not gonna do like my whole plan for this so I'm just gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave here. But he, Inferno is basically going to be like the storyline that wraps up all of his specific plot lines that he'd been doing. So it's so it's possible he could do that. But also he's it's been talked about that um, he's going to be continue working with Marvel and especially with Chris Bacallo on a new series. So it could be for what that series is, we don't know. For all we know, it could be like you know the eleventh life of Warrior McTaggart. Like she could die in Inferno, be reborn, and then maybe he'll get a his like like his own series to talk about you know like what he would have done you know with like you know 
if he hadn't, you know, had to like, you know, work with all these other writers and all. So, but uh, it's that speculation, but I will say that, you know, like as it is like um, the Hellfire Gala does a great job of setting things up and he, for future X, future X-Men stories. I mean, no, not everything like hits, like hits, hits mark, but as far as like, you know, saying that the X-Men's, the future, direction of the X-Men is now like in Jerry Dugan's hands. Well, like I also got to say, I feel pretty good about that based like if I'm like based specifically on his Marauders and X, and um planetized X-Men st- like stories. There there's some pretty good stuff and I want to see, you know, where he's going with this new team. Yeah. Um I mean, I I, I can support that. I was really hoping that that Hickman would get to do his uh whatever his vision was. Hopefully you're right about that other series. Uh but uh um you know, he's uh I'm sorry, Jerry Dugan, right? He's Yeah. He's really good. Everything that I've read of his, I've enjoyed. So, um, it, I think it's a good hands, regardless. Okay, so so you interested in coming back to talk talk about um, Inferno and the Trial of Magneto once they're wrapped up? Oh yeah. So I'm 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 definitely going to be interested in Inferno because uh, when I started reading comics, uh, it wasn't long after I started reading that it led into the original Inferno storyline. So. That's like it's it's going to readdress uh, a, a storyline from my I want to I don't want to say childhood from my teenage years early teenage years, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely interested in that trial of Magneto. Uh, I want to see how that plays out. Uh, we'll have to talk about that. Okay, and so yeah, definitely look forward to having you back for that, Rob. But also sooner than that. So um, I mean, this isn't like you know right now or right now or like the next one, but. Um, I mean, I know you've been reading um, Immortal Hulk. I've been reading Immortal Hulk, so I imagine you got some thoughts on that too. Oh, absolutely! What an incredible comic book series. I'm behind on it. I got to catch up, um, but I will be able to quickly because hey, it's just one comic. <laughs> yeah, it's sound like a whole line, like X Men. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, so I mean, so that's... yeah, um, so yeah, but definitely look forward to having you back for that, Rob, at some point. Oh, I'd love it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, man. John? Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, well, now you've piqued my interest about this, uh, the trial of Magneto. So I'm just kind of interested in that, what they're, how they're going to play out about and play that out. So, yeah, I got some catch-up reading to do. <laughs> All right. Let us know what you think, man. All right. Definitely. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you later on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right. Laters. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.